Hi everyone, I'm Chloe and welcome back to another episode of What's Up WWE Universe, the podcast where we recap pay-per-views, Raw, NXT 2.0, and SmackDown and talk about news, rumors, wrestlers, matches, and everything going on in the WWE Universe. Before we get started, make sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Tell everyone you know so that we can keep growing and spreading our audience. And if you haven't already, make sure you go follow our Facebook page at What's Up WWE Universe Pod. And I'm sorry I haven't gotten our final uh, dress-up days posted yet. I did dress up for Halloween, and it's going to be, if it's not already, on the podcast page by now. I was Bailey for Halloween. I actually put up a sign on the door, like, get ready to be a guest on Ding Dong Hello. I had a microphone. I let the kids talk into it, and it was super fun. And also, go vote on the poll that I have on Spotify. If you're listening there, let me know what dress-up cosplay that I did was your favorite. Now, anyways, let's just stop with the chatter and get right into it and recap this past week's episode of Monday Night Raw. So, on this past week's episode of Monday Night Raw, we started out the night with Bianca Belair getting ready for her Raw Women's Championship match against Becky Lynch. She recalled what happened at SummerSlam and said, you know, she wasn't ready for Becky Lynch. She was preparing to face Sasha Banks, and then Sasha couldn't make it. So then it became Becky. And she says that, you know, she's used to people tearing her down. It's been going on all her life. And she was just ready for her Raw Women's Championship match. And then Becky recalled, like, how hard she worked for her comeback after giving birth and says she feels that there's been a lack of respect for her, but she was just going to use that for some motivation in her match. And so we started out with that match first. We actually talked about this match last week, if y'all remember. And, of course, insanely great moments, great performance. These are two of the all-time greats. And there was one part in this match where Bianca threw Becky Lynch onto the announce table during the match. Like, it's... It's been called, you know, one of the greatest title matches in, like, Raw history, and maybe, honestly, it is, but at the end of the match, Bianca was going for the KOD, but Becky was able to unloosen a turnbuckle to expose it, and she threw Bianca onto it to win the match, so some would say, you know, this was a controversial ending to that match for Big Time Bex to retain her title. And then we saw Austin Theory, um, the Mysterios, well, Rey Mysterio was getting ready for his match with Austin Theory. And Austin Theory came over and said that he would finally get to take a selfie with Rey Mysterio after he beat him like he did to Dominic. And Dominic told him to put some respect on Rey's name. And Rey Mysterio reminded Austin that the ones who try to put him down are now forgotten but the Mysterio name remained strong and as the Mysterios were walking out into the arena Austin took a selfie with them while they didn't notice it and so we got to see Rey Mysterio versus Austin Theory. Um, Austin Theory Dominic was at ringside during this match and 
Austin was trying to psych out Dominic throughout this entire match. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm losing my voice a little bit. Um, but during this match, actually, Dominic helped Rey Mysterio with the DDT. And, you know, there's been a lot of speculation that Dominic is going to make a heel turn at some point against Rey. And at the end of this match, Dominic slapped Austin Theory in the face while, well, he thought while the ref wasn't looking. But the ref did see it and he stopped the match and gave Austin Theory the win via disqualification. And so at the end of the match, the Mysterios were kind of arguing with each other. And so as he was walking out, Austin Theory, like, got a selfie with them in the background. But they were able to, you know, like, make amends and make up, like, father, like, son, of course. So we'll just have to see when is this Rams, I mean, if it's going to happen, when is this Dominic Mysterio heel turn going to happen? And then we saw Seth Rollins after winning the ladder match for a WWE Championship opportunity. He came out and was on top of the world after winning that and says that by winning that opportunity, he's automatically the next WWE Champion. And then the rightful WWE Champion, Big E, Big e interrupted and called Seth out for not showing sportsmanship to him last week by not shaking his hand after the match. But then Seth claimed that Big E was disrespectful to him last week. You know, he tried to get a handshake out of Big E, but he didn't get it. He said he lost respect for him last week and says that Big E is just not on his level and called the New Day jokes. He called King Xavier a joke and Kofi Mania a joke. And Big E shut that down quickly and he proposed a championship match tonight, well, on Raw. And Seth shut that down against the WWE Universe's wishes. And he said that the match would happen on his terms whenever he's 100%. And then Kevin Owens interrupted and debated who the face of Raw is. You know, he debated, you know, Biggie, Seth Rollins, but then also Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch. But he said that he should be considered for being the face of Raw. And he talked about it was trending about how much people loved his performance in the latter match last week. And said that no matter what, he'll keep fighting to give the WWE Universe something to remember. And Biggie, well, not Biggie, Kevin challenged Biggie to a one-on-one -on -one match that night. And Biggie accepted that match. And then we saw Queen Zelina and Carmella. Of course, these two have been, like, frenemies as of late. They've been kind of a team, but also opponents when they have to be. And they went up to super brutality, and they called Nikki A.S.H.'s mask cute. But then when they walked away, they were like, oh, that's the ugliest mask I've ever seen. And Nikki A.S.H. and Rhea Ripley both heard that, and they confronted Zelina and Carmel for that. And they trashed Super Brutality and the rest of the women's locker, too. And then Super Brutality challenged Queen Zelina and Carmella to a match. And they accepted that match. It was a championship contenders match. And during this match, the Raw Women's Locker Room were seen watching. It was like Liv Morgan, Dewdrop, Dana Brooke, um, who else? Tamina. That was about it. 
But, you know, I'd love to see some of the newer girls, you know, get highlighted more at least. You know, we have like Tegan Knox. Of course, she's one of the newer ones. I'd love to see her. I would have said, you know, Mia Yim, but she unfortunately was released along with some other wrestlers, which we are going to talk about a little bit later. But anyways, during this match, it was Queen Zelina and Carmella who won because Carmella, um... No, it wasn't Carmella. Zelina um, rolled up um, Nikki. So at some point, they will be getting a women's tag team championship match. I don't know. We'll have to see how that goes. And then we saw the Alpha Academy told Biggie that he just doesn't have what it takes to be the face of Monday Night Raw. But they could change that with some help from him going to the Alpha Academy. And Biggie refused that. And Chad Gable told Big E that, you know, he talked about, you know, graduating as the valedictorian with a 4.0 GPA from Full Sail and says that, you know, at some point Raw could become Monday Night Rollins again. And he said to watch his match against Finn Balor to, you know, help him a little bit. And then we saw Veer Mahan is coming soon to Raw. He was, of course, split away from Jinder Mahal and Shanky, but it looks like he's already looking to become his own self, his own personality, now that he's all alone on Raw. And then we saw Finn Balor versus Chad Gable, and the Alpha Academy actually got some new theme music, a lot more intimidating, I'd say, definitely. Um, but at the end of this match, of course, a great match, but it was Finn Balor who was able to fight through an injured leg and get the win over Chad Gable. And it looked like Otis tried to attack Finn after the match was over. But Finn was able to quickly roll out of the ring and get away from all that. And then we saw the Dirty Dogs approached Riddle backstage. And they were telling him about how they had a match with the Street Profits. And they told him to pay attention because RK-Bro, quote-unquote, lucked out last week in that championship match. RK-Bro defeated um, the Dirty Dogs. And the Dirty Dogs, of course, were not very happy about that. I mean, why would they not be? And so we saw the Street Profits versus the Dirty Dogs. And RK-Bro got some revamped entrance theme. Like, it was voices, but like a groovier kind of vamp to it. So, like... A little bit of Randy, a little bit of Riddle. Um, and they joined on commentary for this match. Of course, you know, a kind of a heated rivalry starting up between the Dirty Dogs and the Street Profits, which they have had a heated rivalry before back over on SmackDown. And, you know, it looked like Montez Ford at the end of this match was getting ready to fly. But Omos, who ruined the Street Profits' chance of getting a Raw Tag Team Champion shot last week. He came out during the match and distracted Montez Ford, which costed him the match over the um, Dirty Dogs. Dolph Ziggler took advantage and won for the Dirty Dogs. And then after the match, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford and Riddle tried to fight him off, but he was able to fight all of them off. So looks like maybe... Where is AJ Styles, honestly? I want to know, but I don't know. Does this Is Omos trying to start something on his own? Or I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. 
And then we saw Damien Priest being asked about, you know, the new side that we've been seeing of Damien Priest that we saw last week. He said that this new side of him has just always been inside of him, but he's, you know, kept it secret until now. And he said that if you disrespect him, then you're going to a dark place with him. And we saw him in a notice qualifications match up against T-Bar once again. And before this match, T-Bar called Damien just a fraud and said that he'd be prey for him to feast on during the notice qualifications match. Of course, a very brutal match. Of course, um, we had one part of the match, T-Bar tied up Damien Priest in the ropes and he hit him repeatedly with kendo sticks. I mean, it wasn't, of course, as brutal as um, what Seth Rollins and Murphy did to Dominic Mysterio last year, if y'all remember that. But still, pretty brutal. And then after that, Damien Priest snapped. His wrath was evoked. And he attacked T-Bar with a steel chair. And he threw T-Bar through a table. That table, like, broke into pieces. I mean, that was a lot of force when that happened. But it was Damien Priest who was able to pick up the win with a final reckoning. But then after the match was over, Apollo Crews and Commander Aziz came out and Apollo introduced them. And Apollo says that at some point, Damien would lose the United States Championship to him. So it looks like Damien Priest already has another challenger for the United States Championship, Apollo Crews. Of course, he is one of the newest draftees to Raw. So we'll have to see where that goes. And then we saw John Morrison backstage meditating. And, you know, I feel like this whole meditating thing that he's been doing for the past few weeks, I feel like he's kind of been stuck in limbo ever since The Miz went off to do Dancing with the Stars. Now, unfortunately, of course, The Miz was eliminated from Dancing with the Stars last week. But good news, that means that he will probably be coming back to Raw soon. Um, so looks like maybe he and John Morrison can finally have their match and get started on their rivalry, and that'll be great. But anyways, Reggie got chased away. Well, John Morrison was telling Reggie that he's feeling a breakthrough with his meditating, and then Reggie got chased away by some 24-7 challengers, R-Truth, Akira Tozawa, and Drake Maverick. And then after Reggie was able to get away, the three of them blamed each other for what happened. Of course, Reggie is the longest reigning 24-7 champion. So I think Reggie's trying to hold on to the 24-7 championship as long as he can for sure. And then we saw Becky Lynch backstage. She called out the fans for being fickle by booing her. You know, they used to cheer her on, but now they're booing her. And she says that, you know, after, in defense of what she did to Bianca Belair hitting her on that exposed turnbuckle, she says that she's just doing whatever it takes to remain champion and said that she was ready for someone new. And then Liv Morgan eyed her. So hopefully this means that Liv Morgan is finally getting some more momentum. I mentioned last week, you know, I hate the way that WWE has been treating Liv Morgan. I think we all can agree on that for sure. You know, we've all just wanted to see Liv, you know, go out and, you know, she is such a talent and she just deserves 
a lot more respect than she has been given. So hopefully this is a great start for her. And this maybe she'll become Raw Women's Champion. I think that'd be amazing. But we'll just have to wait and see how this goes. And fingers crossed it goes well. And then we saw Seth Rollins offer to help Kevin Owens beat Big E in their match. And then Kevin told him that he could come out for the match, but not to get involved because then it becomes his business. And then Seth kind of mocked Kevin for his just keep fighting motto. And so we got to see the main event, Big E versus Kevin Owens. And during this match, Seth Rollins came out to watch the match. There were so many crazy moments in this match. We've never seen Big E take on Kevin Owens, and it was quite the match, that's for sure. And during this match, Seth Rollins cheap-shotted Big E while the ref wasn't looking. And then at the end of this match, it was Big E who was able to win with a quick pin. And after the match, Big E asked Kevin Owens if Seth Rollins was helping him in the match after the match where he was, you know, cheap-shotted. And then Kevin said that he didn't know about what Seth did, and he challenged Seth at some point. So I think that that would be great. They had their match at WrestleMania 36. If y'all remember that, that was a great victory for Kevin Owens. Great opportunity for him to get some spotlight. If y'all remember, he jumped off the WrestleMania logo. But anyways, Big E just didn't care about Kevin's apology, and he gave him the big ending. So, I don't know. Does this mean that something is going to happen between, you know, Big E and Kevin Owens? I don't know. Maybe at some point we'll see a triple threat like Big E versus Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens for the WWE Championship. I think that would be an awesome match. But anyways, that is all for the Raw recap. Now, let's recap this past week's episode of NXT 2.0. So on this past week's episode of NXT 2.0, following Halloween Havoc, Mandy Rose started out the night and she came out and celebrated her win and Toxic Attractions wins at Halloween Havoc. She was like, you know, I told you people I'd become NXT Women's Champion. And then she was like, wait a minute, where are Gigi and JC? And Gigi Dolan and JC Jane were shown attacking Zoe Stark backstage. And it was reported later in the night that she had to be taken to a hospital after that attack. And then Mandy said that no one could stop Toxic Attraction. They're taking over NXT. They hold all the gold in the women's division. And then Io Shirai interrupted, and she was angry about what they just did to Zoe Stark. And she wanted to face Mandy right then. And Mandy accepted that challenge, but she just attacked Io. And then she told Io that she'd never look like her. And Io had heard enough of this and was fighting back. But then Gigi and JC came out and attacked her. And, you know, Toxic Attraction looked like they had the upper hand over EO. And then Caden Carter and Casey Catanzaro came out and helped EO fight off Toxic Attraction. And so EO, Casey, and Caden got the last laugh in that situation. And I always love to see Casey and Caden get more opportunities because I just feel like 
they are so underrated and I would love to see them, you know, in the NXT women's tag team um, championship picture because, you know, they were they were the um, first competitors for Zoe Stark and Io Shirai's run as the women's tag team champions. And I would love to see them back in that picture again because they really deserve some more attention. And then as Takasuka Traction was walking off backstage, they ran into Dakota Kai, and Dakota was quick to tell Mandy that she didn't attack Raquel Gonzalez at Halloween Havoc to help Mandy win, she did it to end Raquel. So, of course, I think, you know, Dakota really isn't focused on the NXT Women's Championship right now. She's just focused on ending Raquel Gonzalez. And ahead of her match with Cora Jade, she got some revamped theme music. It was the same music, but it was a little more, like, crazy. There were some screams in the background. I think Dakota's character right now is getting a little more on the crazy side. Um, so we'll have to see where this new character change pans out for Dakota. And we saw her... Um, well, before we saw that match, we saw Cameron Grimes entering Duke's poker room, and he started out feeling pretty darn strong against Duke Hudson, even though he wasn't a super experienced poker player. Um, we saw that throughout the night, and we saw Dakota Kai take on Cora Jade, and it was Dakota who was able to pick up the win over Cora Jade. And after that match was over, Dakota continued to attack Cora, and she put a table onto Cora Jade, and she almost jumped onto it, but then she stopped herself and just put Cora's skateboard on her, and just, it was very interesting, you know, to see, like, you know, is it kind of like, you know, what Damien Priest is doing right now? You know, he has that cool side to him, but then when he snaps, he snaps, I don't know, maybe it's something like that. We'll have to wait and see where this new character with Dakota goes. And we saw MSK were waiting at a bus stop, and they mourned the loss of their NXT Tag Team Championships. And they were talking about going to meet the man that started the legend of MSK. And then their bus pulled in front of us, so we didn't get to hear, you know, what does MSK stand for, what's it all about. And they missed their bus which covers up the story, of course, and so they just walked. So looks like we'll have to wait a little more to find out more about MSK. And then we saw, so if y'all remember last week, there was um, someone, you know, that got attacked by um, Zion Quinn at the Halloween party. It was Robert Stone. I did not realize that. And before their match, they had a little weird segment. Um, Robert Stone called Zion Quinn and everyone else jealous of him, and he planned to win the match, and then he was like, this one's for you, Frankie, and he sang and danced to Frankie Monet's theme song, and the crowd was like, you suck, you suck, and Robert was like, they loved my performance, and Zion said that his performance was interesting, but was ready to beat him. And then he was like, okay, what the heck? And then Zion performed Shawn Michaels' theme while slightly attacking Robert. And then Robert slapped him, and then the match begun. And it was a pretty quick victory for Zion Quinn. He put Robertson away with a jackhammer. And the release wave that I mentioned earlier that we're going to talk about a little bit later 
Frankie Monet and Jesse Kamea were a part of that release wave, but Robert Stone, as far as we know right now, is still employed by WWE, so we'll have to see what's next for Robert Stone. Of course, Frankie and Jesse are gone, and Aaliyah is now on SmackDown, so what is next for Robert Stone? A feud with Zion Quinn, perhaps? And then we saw Joe Gacy was talking with Harland, I believe is his name, um, you know, about how horrible and dark the world is, you know, with social media. But he was ready to change the world with Harland. So it looks like we'll still be seeing this little alliance between the two. And then we saw Electra Lopez was heading down to the ring with Legado del Fantasma ahead of their tag team match. And Zion Quinn passed them. And Electra Lopez told Zion Quinn that he's something she could work with. Zion Quinn has kind of been proposed as more of a ladies' man. So we'll have to see. Maybe they'll start a romance angle between Zion Quinn and Electra Lopez. And then we saw Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner versus Legado Delphins Hasma. We, you know, this new tag team, um, you know, Von Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly, you know, Kyle has not been the best about tag teams lately after what happened with the Undisputed Era, but it looks like he and Von Wagner kind of trust each other a lot better now. But at the, at the end of this match, it was um, Joaquin Wilde who was able to roll up Von Wagner for the win, but it was a little bit of a crazy ending because... Um, Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner kind of got a little distracted. It all kind of happened at once, so it was hard to tell exactly what happened, but it was able to um, get the win for Legato del Fantasma. And then we saw Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams ahead of their um, main event match against Dexter Loomis and Johnny Gargano. They said that they aren't playing games anymore with those two after what happened last week in the House of Terror. And then Andre Chase came up to them and wished them good luck and said that since they had his back in the House of Terror last week, he has their backs. And then um, Trick and Carmella walked away. And, you know, Mackenzie Mitchell mentioned to him that there were some people on social media that called him a coward after what happened in the Haunted House of Terror match. And he was livid. He was ready to go off and he just ran to that ring to, you know, find out what happened. And then we saw Duke's poker room continued with Cameron Grimes. And Cameron has trying to been has been trying to find love as of late. So there was this one woman that he kept flirting with and he put out a flush. And Duke Hudson was tired of Cameron's beginner's luck and Duke eliminated a bunch of players until it was only he and Cameron left. Duke said that Cameron had no shot with that woman he was flirting with and no shot of beating him. And Cameron was like, we'll see about that. So Cameron, you know, he's definitely one of the more goofy guys on the roster, but he was serious about that poker match. And then we saw Andre Chase coming out and he even had his own little Andre Chase University section and he had a microphone that didn't work and then he threw it out of the ring and he got a better one that works and he responded to people on social media that called him a coward after the Haunted House of Terror and he quote-unquote taught 
that he fears nothing, and he issued an open challenge to prove that, and Braun Breaker accepted that challenge, so we got to see these two, and it was Braun Breaker who was able to win the match with a Gorilla Power Slam, and then after the match, Braun Breaker said that, you know, after losing to Tommaso Ciampa um, at Halloween Havoc, um, he said that he admitted that Tommaso Ciampa is the man of NXT, but he's upset about what happened, and he wants another shot at the NXT Championship. So it doesn't look like this feud between Braun Breaker and Tommaso Ciampa is over quite just yet. And then we saw Imperium celebrating their win at Halloween Havoc. They are once again the NXT Tag Team Champions. And then Toxic Attractions, JC Jane and Gigi Dolan, came over to them and congratulated them and also celebrated their Halloween Havoc win. And they told them that they have a six-woman tag team match next week. It's going to be Toxic Attraction versus Io Shirai, Casey Catanzaro, and Caden Carter, which I am very excited about. And they told Imperium that they should come watch that match. And Imperium seemed on board. So I don't know. Are we going to start like an, a romance angle with Imperium and Toxic Attraction? I don't know. Things are getting a little spicy here on NXT 2.0. And then we saw Lashing Out with Lash Legend. And she finally got Tony D'Angelo on the show. And before he came out... Lash reviewed some NXT Halloween costumes. Like, you know, she wasn't too fond of Von Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly's costumes, but she loved Aki Manjiro and Kushida's costumes, of course, because, I mean, who doesn't love those two? And then Tony came out, and Lash called him out for the disappearance of her producer, Mark, who Tony was able to get him to join, and he had his arm in a sling, and he was nervous, and Tony basically forced Mark to tell Lash everything's all right, which he did. And but he was just like, everything's fine, Lash. You know, like extremely nervous. You know, she, Tony was like, come on, say hi to your wife and your kids. And he's just like, hi guys. So something is definitely up with this relationship between Mark and Tony D'Angelo. Um, and then Mark walked off. And Tony lists some competitors that he'd like to face now that he's in NXT 2.0. And then Tony gave Lash some money before leaving. So I don't know what the situation is between um, the Lash legend and Lashing Out and Tony D'Angelo. We'll have to see where all this goes. And then we saw Sola Sokoa, one of the latest competitors, one of the newest ones, versus Jeet Rama, and this would, I believe, be his final appearance because he was in the release wave. Don't worry, that is coming later. But we did see Solo Sokoa get the win over Jeet Rama in this match. Solo Sokoa is pretty darn dominant already, I can definitely say that. So we'll have to see how his reign of destruction continues. And then we saw... Tian Sha, and Boa was getting ready to go out for his match, and Mei Ying, like, shook her head like she wasn't coming, so Boa went out alone, and then we saw Josh Briggs and Brooke Jensen cooking some steaks and playing some Southern games while sharing their life stories and, you know, what they want to get accomplished at NXT, so, you know, they're definitely Southern proud, and they are ready to continue to dominate NXT, and I don't know, maybe at some point enter the tag team championship picture. I can definitely see that. 
And then we saw Boa go up against Grayson Waller and L.A. Knight join on commentary for this match. He, you know, has been having some problems with Grayson Waller as of late. And during this match, he distracted Grayson, which costed him the match. And Boa was able to win with a kick and he scored that pinfall and won that match. And then we saw Duke's poker room with Cameron Grimes continued. Um, Duke Hudson was like, you know what, why don't you just save yourself some embarrassment and faults? But Cameron refused to do so, and he continued to play, and he beat Duke Hudson, and all the players that Duke eliminated were now in watching it, and they celebrated with Cameron, and Cameron said that he was going to buy everyone some drinks. He won the game with two twos, because he's going to the moon. And after everyone left to go get some drinks, Duke got mad and he flipped the poker table. So I don't know. Maybe we'll see um, Cameron and Duke get in the actual ring at some point, most likely. And then we saw Kaylee Ray. Um, you know, NXT 2.0 hasn't really included her. She said, and she is very upset about this, and she is ready to rage. And she said that that is going to start next week. So we'll have to see... Who is she going to take on next week? And then we saw Boa coming back um, from his match. And Mei Ying was not there sitting on her throne. And so he sat in front of the throne. He kind of bowed down to it. And then when he turned around, he had like face paint like Mei Ying. So I don't know. Is Mei Ying like gone now? And is Boa going to serve as the new master of Tian Sha? We'll have to wait and see. Or is he going to be on his own? Of course, Zaya is now on SmackDown. So we'll have to see what happens with that. And then we saw Tommaso Ciampa coming out and said that Halloween Havoc was a shift for NXT 2.0. You know, a lot of new champions. But Braun Breaker couldn't become the NXT champion. And Tommaso then called himself the god of NXT. And then Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams interrupted, and they told Tommaso to just take a back seat, and Tommaso told them that, you know, Carmelo probably doesn't believe a word that he's saying, and Trick argued that since they are the main event, and then Tommaso shut down Trick, kicked him down, and then Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis came out for their match, and Johnny Gargano eyed Tommaso during his entrance, of course. No shortage of history between these two superstars. We talked about it last week, so I don't know. It's I don't think they don't like each other, but at the same time, they aren't friends either, so... And then we got to see Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis take on Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Um, a lot of crazy, amazing moments in this match. This, I would say, was probably a dream match of some. But during this match, Trick Williams hit Dexter Loomis with his shoe while the ref wasn't looking, which costed them the match. And so Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams were able to win the match over Johnny and Dexter. So that was it for the NXT 2.0 recap. Now let's recap this past week's episode of Friday Night Smackdown. So on this past week's episode of Friday Night Smackdown, we started out the night with the Bloodline coming out 
And the WWE Universe already hitting them with some You Suck chants. And Roman Reigns talked about how last week he wasn't on the show. He said that he took a vacation last week to celebrate beating Brock Lesnar. And he claimed that he should be thanked for Brock's suspension. And then he asked Paul Heyman, like, what else happened last week? And then he's like, well, um, you know, with Brock. And he's like, no, I'm not talking about that. And so, you know, of course... We've all been wondering since Brock has been back, you know, where does Paul Heyman stand? That's been like a huge key factor as of late. But he said that, you know, the New Day um, beat the Usos last week. And Roman said that, you know, he likes the New Day, but they aren't better than the Bloodline. And he wondered why the Usos even lost to them. And he was like, who's the one that got pinned? And it was Jimmy Uso who got pinned. And Jimmy said that tonight he would make the New Day, specifically King Woods, acknowledge him. And then the New Day interrupted and King Woods said that, you know, since he's the real king, then shouldn't he be the real head of the table? And he said that tonight if Jimmy could beat him in a one-on-one match, then he would acknowledge Roman. But if King Woods was able to win the match, then Jimmy would have to bend the knee to him. And then the bloodline accepted, and the New Day started, like, mocking Jimmy's name, and they eventually landed on Jimothy for his name, which I love that name so much. (laughs) And then we got to see a match. It was a fair match, you know, with the fair actual ref, and it was Naomi versus Shayna Baszler, and Sonya, before the match, claimed that You know, at first, Naomi has never had any passion and desire. And she said that, you know, what she's doing to Naomi now is like lighting a fire beneath her. And if Naomi could win her match, then maybe she'd challenge her to a one-on-one match at some point. And so the first part of the match, um, Naomi was able to roll up Shayna and win the match. But then Sonya Deville came out and claimed that Naomi's pin... Um, You know, Shayna almost put her foot on the ropes, so it should have been a rope break. And so she claimed that the pin didn't count, and she restarted the match. And then Naomi walked right into a Kirifuda clutch, and so technically the winner was Shayna Baszler. So, you know, Shayna, not Shayna, Sonya is extremely abusing her power. You know, she's been since... You know, Naomi first came to SmackDown since before the draft, let's just say that. But, you know, I mean, honestly, Sonia, in the words of the Billie Eilish, the great Billie Eilish, um, try not to abuse your power, please. <laughs> and then we saw Roman Reigns complaining to the bloodline about what happened while he was gone. He's like, oh, you know, I take a vacation for one week and everything just falls apart. And he reminded the Usos not to lose their match because they're the ones. So, you know, some tension in the bloodline, perhaps. And then we saw Zia Lee is coming soon. Another teaser. I'm very excited to see, you know, what Zia will do. We haven't seen her in a little bit. So we'll have to wait and see what she does on SmackDown. And then another NXT call-up recruit, Ridge Holland, he said that on SmackDown, He's excited to meet his idol, Sheamus, and he is ready to fight. You know, everyone, he's ready to brawl. And, you know, of course, on NXT, um, he was a heel. 
So I don't know if he's going to be a heel, you know, talking about Sheamus the way he was, considering, you know, but Sheamus is also a heel too, and he was just this brawler, so hopefully that continues on SmackDown. And then we saw Shotzi after, you know, turning heel last week. She said that, you know, she's lost everything. She's lost title opportunities. She's lost her tag team partner. And she's had enough, and she's not going to sit through and smile anymore. And she said she's made Sasha Banks her target and would run over her and anyone else who gets in her way. And she doesn't need a tank to do it. So Shotzi is not playing games anymore. She is ready to be, you know, a fighter. She's always been a fighter, but she's ready to get more serious and you know, she is not playing around. She's not smiling anymore. She is ready to just man up, basically. And then we saw Umberto Carrillo and Angel Garza, who are now using the name Los Lotharios, went up against Cesaro and Mansoor. And I'm glad, you know, we get to see Cesaro on TV again because, you know, he's kind of been buried a little bit, I'd say. Um, since, you know, you know, this year he had the big win over Seth Rollins at WrestleMania and feuded with him throughout the year. And so I don't know, you know, when Edge started his feud with Seth Rollins, Cesaro kind of got buried a teeny bit, I'd say. And so hopefully this means that, you know, he'll get some more momentum because he really deserves a lot more. And during this match, the Los Lothorios said that women shouldn't have to look at Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs' faces. They should look at their faces instead. And they hope that after last week in the Trick or Street fight that they attacked them, um, they hope that Shinsuke and Rick would never show their quote-unquote disgusting faces ever again. And during this match, one of my favorite parts was Cesaro through Angel Garza's tearaway pants at him during the match. And we did see the Los Lotharios get the win over this match. But really, honestly, I'd love to see, you know, more of Cesaro and Mansoor. As much as I love the push that Los Lotharios are getting, I think that Cesaro and Mansoor deserve to be pushed more as well. And then we saw Jeff Hardy and Aaliyah to the new recruits to SmackDown. They were talking backstage, and Sami Zayn came up to him and gave him some tips, and he told Aaliyah that her outfit looked good, but next time to wear a pantsuit, and they were both just like, oh, come on, are you for real? So, you know, Sami Zayn is trying to be helpful, but I don't think a lot of people are very appreciative of this quote-unquote help. And then we saw Drew McIntyre issued an open challenge, which he has been doing for the past little while, um, you know, and he said that, you know, he's going to continue doing this week after week, so I guess, you know, every week we get to look forward to Drew McIntyre's open challenges, and he issued an open challenge, and Ricochet, who we haven't seen much of, accepted that challenge, and he told Drew that if he keeps acting the way that he is, someone's going to come for him and smack him in the mouth, which Ricochet did, and we did get to see this match. Very great match. A lot of dominance with Drew McIntyre, and I'm glad Ricochet's getting used a lot more because he hasn't been used too much as of late. He's been more of a jobber, I'd say, Which, but I'm glad that, you know, he's going to be used more, hopefully. Um, 
But at the end of this match, out of nowhere, it was Drew McIntyre with a Claymore who won the match. But during this match, Mustafa Ali was seen watching it backstage. And Kayla Braxton was like, oh, yeah, it looks like you're a little interested in this match. And Ali was like, yeah, I think me and Ricochet have a lot in common. But it was but it was Drew McIntyre who was able to win that match. And then we saw the New Day said that the income of King Woods' match was not in doubt because Jimmy Uso was going to bend the knee to King Woods. So they were very confident about that. And then we saw Mustafa Ali proposed teaming with Ricochet. And Ricochet declined because he said that Ali's a whiner. He treated Mansoor like a piece of dirt is what he said and he's just a jerk so I don't know maybe this will propose a feud um between Ricochet and Mustafa Ali which I think you know could be great for the both of them I think these two could bring out the best in one another and be a very interesting feud and then we saw Happy Talk and Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss at first mocked the Smackdown tag team division and then they had the Viking Raiders as their guests and they were like, oh, come on, you guys don't seem very happy. And they were like, we're not here to be happy. We're here to raid Happy Talk because it sucks. And then Mad Cat Moss told to cheer them up, told some horrible joke about Vikings and body odor. And I don't know, honestly, you guys going to have to just watch the episode to get the whole joke. And the Viking Raiders were not very happy about this. And they destroyed the set. And we got to see a match between these two teams. And during this match, um, Happy Corbin and Madcap Moss were got a little scared. And they escaped the arena during the match, which led to a count-out victory for the Viking Raiders. And I'm very happy that the Viking Raiders are being used um, because, you know, we haven't seen them. They haven't been used too much. Um, I would say the last big feud they had was the one that they had with the Street Profits last year. That was more like a friendly feud. The whole anything you can do, we can do better. Um, you know, it was a very friendly feud, but I'd love to see, you know, them have more of a, like an actual, like, I don't like you kind of feud, you know, of course. And it seems, you know, the Viking Raiders are a lot more serious than they were during that feud because it was a lot more playful I guess you could say you remember like you know all the ladies loving Ivar and not so much Eric but yeah hopefully this means that the Viking Raiders are gonna get a little more of a push which they really deserve and then we saw Sami Zayn telling Hit Row and it just felt so weird without B-Fab she was also released in the release wave which we're gonna talk about coming up next um, but Sami Zayn told Hit Row that their entrance sucked and they needed a little bit of work on that and Top Dollar was like, all right, well, can you show us how to do it better? And he was like, yeah. And then Sami Zayn came out for his entrance and he danced extremely wildly as always. And he claimed that he was being in the present. It had great quality. And he brought out Hit Row for their entrance. And I'm not really liking this whole new entrance thing because it's the same song, but they took out B-Fab singing the Hit Row. Like, are you kidding me? That is the most, like, iconic part of the song, and you're taking it out? Like, why was B-Fab released? Like, we're going to get into this in just a little bit. But anyways, um, 
Sammy joined and danced in this entrance and Hit Row kind of made fun of Sammy and said that they didn't want his help and told them that he sucked, which the WWE Universe agreed with. And then Sammy tried to leave, but Hit Row blocked him and then he was able to escape and leave and Hit Row just started laughing and making fun of him and said, if you didn't know, now you know. And then we saw the Usos leaving for Jimmy's match. But Roman wasn't coming, and he asked Jimmy how many of his problems did he have to fix himself. So again, some tension in the bloodline, possibly. And then we saw King Woods, before that match, he got a new royal entrance theme. And we, get to, and we got to see that match, and towards the end of the match, Sir Kofi Kingston distracted the ref while Jimmy Uso rolled up King Woods and could have won the match if the ref was looking. And then Jay Uso tried to help Jimmy win. You know, the same thing that they did when they feuded with the Mysterios, like pushing on each other's backs with their feet. But he was caught by the ref, and then King Woods rolled him up and um, tried to, like, you know, well, he rolled him up and he won the match, so... Per the match stipulation, Jimmy Uso would have to bend the knee to King Woods, but then Roman Reigns came over and super punched, Superman punched King Woods down, and then the bloodline attacked the New Day, um, and then Roman said that he told King Woods that if he showed up next week, then he'd show him what a real king looks like, so no matter what the stipulation was, the bloodline was not going to bow down to anyone else, but... Roman Reigns. So anyways, that is all for the SmackDown recap and our recaps of this episode. Now let's talk about some news. WWE has released yet another shocking wave of superstars. So we have talked about this year so many times about all the release waves that WWE has put out this year, and this, of course, is extremely shocking, as have all of them. WWE has released Eva Marie, Nia Jax, Karrion Cross, Keith Lee, Scarlett, Amber Moon, Frankie Monet, B-Fab, Grandma Talik, Lindsay Dorado, Jesse Kamea, Zayda Ramir, Trey Baxter, Katrina Cortez, Jeet Rama, Mia Yim, Harry Smith, and Oni Lorcan. Now, Eva Marie, honestly, this one I am not too shocked about, and I also can't be mad. Well, I don't want to say it, not be mad, but I can't just blame WWE. I can also, of course, blame Eva as well, because we've been talking about, you know, Eva Marie coming back since our very first episode of this podcast almost a year ago. And of course, you know, we all thought it was going to be something huge, but it really wasn't. You know, she didn't really move away from associating herself with Dewdrop, and she is now like working on a movie. That's why. She- Shayna Baszler took her out with that kayfabe injury. So this one I'm not too shocked about. Um, Nia Jax. Now this one, on the other hand, I am extremely shocked about. She asked for some time off, you know, with Shayna injuring her because um, she wanted to take some time for mental health. And I believe she was supposed to come back in like a couple of weeks. Um, 
but then she was released. There are rumors saying that she was released because she is unvaccinated against COVID. But yeah, this one was very shocking. Um, Karrion Cross, um, very shocking. I feel like, you know, he got a little watered down when he went up to the main roster, you know, and he had that weird um, helmet thing. And they were talking about, you know, giving him a character change backstage. Like, he was still going to be, like, a little on the crazier side, but also calmer at the same time. And they were going to change up his entrance video a little bit. But, of course, obviously that d didn't happen. Um, Keith Lee, this one is extremely shocking, um, very upsetting. Again, I feel like his Raw call-up also was a little watered down from NXT, um, of course. And, you know, he took some time off because of his battle with COVID this year. And, you know, this man was fighting for his life. And he came back and, you know, they tried out the new Keith Bearcat Lee, which I think the fans loved. So this one is a very upsetting one. And then Scarlet, of course, everyone was extremely upset that she didn't join Karrion Cross on Raw. There were rumors that she was working on something else, which is why she wasn't there. But, you know, it sucks that we didn't get to see more of these two. And Ember Moon, this might be the one that makes me the most upset out of all of these on the list because I love Ember so much. Of course, you know, um, her future didn't really look too bright when she started going on like 205 Live and you know she didn't really do too much after um you know Shotzi got called up we talked about um and she said that you know she's feeling that state in a career where you're just not in luck at all and she said to stay tuned and unfortunately it doesn't look like that led to anything but I don't know. Hopefully we can see a better side of her in another promotion. I'd be pretty shocked if another promotion didn't pick her up. And then Frankie Monet. This one is pretty shocking. Um, I feel like, you know, WWE um, could have done a lot better with using her. Um, you know, of course, with uh, Robert Stone, you know, we talked about her and Jesse Kamea were both released as well. Um, you know, what's next for Robert Stone? I don't know, but... Frankie, it looks like she's transitioning back into being Taya Valkyrie. So we'll have to see if she goes to another promotion or what's next for her. And then B-Fab, this one is extremely shocking. You know, she just got called up to the main roster to SmackDown with the rest of Hit Row. And, of course, she actually, it's been rumored that last week she signed a new contract with WWE. But then they're like, yeah, just let her go. It's like, are you serious? And then them taking her voice, <clears throat> excuse me, them taking her voice out of the Hit Row entrance theme. Like, are you kidding me? Her Hit Row is like the most iconic thing about that song. Like, are you serious? But yeah, that one was definitely a shocker. And then um, Grand Mentally and Lindsay Dorado, this one, honestly, I'm not shocked about. You know, we talked about, it was rumor that Grand Metalik requested a release. You know, WWE wasn't really using them. They were more just like 24-7 mob jobbers. So, I mean, hopefully they can go to, you know, another company that'll use them more for the talent that they have. Uh, Jesse Kamea, I honestly can't be too shocked about this one. But, you know, it really, really sucks. Especially for the ones that are in NXT and, you know, just didn't get that breakthrough moment. And um, Zeta Ramir, I was actually, you know... 
wondering for a while, you know, she was being used a lot as some of the newer talent on NXT, like her and Saray were like teaming a few times. Um, like Zoe Stark had them under her wing basically while um, Tony Storm was kind of eyeing them. Um, then Trey Baxter, um, this really sucks. You know, I would love to have seen him get a lot more momentum in, in NXT. You know, it seemed like maybe they were starting more with his romance angle with Cora Jade, but it looks like, you know, Cora will just be on her own now. Um, and then Katrina Cortez, she, you know, barely got any TV time at all, so I would have loved to have seen her, you know, break out more, but WWE just, I guess, wasn't willing to give her that. And then Jeet Rama, she, he had been with WWE for quite a few years, but he didn't really accomplish too much, so we still probably would have gotten to see if he had stuck around more of his breakthrough moment. Mia Yim, um, this one really, really sucks because, you know, if y'all remember last week, I said I'd love to see girls such as Mia Yim get, you know, more opportunities on Raw. Um, she didn't do anything really since the Retribution split. Um, and I would say I don't want to, well, I feel like Retribution ruined her career pretty much, basically. You know, Retribution was supposed to be this big thing, and it wasn't. So, I don't know. I wonder, you know, if she hadn't had joined Retribution, then maybe she'd still be employed. But, yeah, this one really sucks. And then Harry Smith, um, the father, you know, his father was Davy Boy Smith. Um, and we didn't really, I mean, I would have loved to have seen him have, again, more of a breakthrough. But, unfortunately, we, we did not get to see that. And then Oni Lorcan, um, honestly, I'm not too shocked about this one. He'd been in NXT for a while, and he, you know, hadn't been called up and didn't do too much. So I don't know what's going to be next for Danny Birch, considering they were a tag team. But we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but, you know, some of these were extremely shocking. Um, some of them not so much. But this year has been insane with the releases like if you'd have told me on new year's day this year that braun Strowman would be released bray wyatt would be released um oh my goodness who else like i mean are you serious like the iconics would have been released i mean you know good for the iconics or the inspiration they are the knockout tag team champions over in impact wrestling so honestly you know if wwe I feel like if they keep releasing everyone, then all the other companies are going to get bigger. And they're going to, you know, you know, when w when any wrestling company releases someone, you know, all the other wrestling companies are going to kind of like, you know, grab them as quickly as they can, try and sign them. You know, that's how it always works, you know, with strategizing. But honestly, like, I feel like at some point WWE is going to regret re releasing all the talent they that they have released this year because I know that a lot of these talent can thrive in other places and you know AEW of course has recruited a lot of former WWE talent and not just you know not just AEW you know like Impact Wrestling has done it as well like you know TNA like it's not just AEW and WWE there are more but Anyways, let's go ahead and move on to a rumor. 
WWE might have a shocking new rule when it comes to hiring women. So according to a rumor, the Observer said that virtually all of the veteran wrestlers not being used on television were under consideration to be released this week, and WWE is concerned about the age of the roster. It isn't interested in hiring any women who are over 25 years old. Now, if this rumor is true, which I'm really hoping it's not, but I think that this rule sounds ridiculous. Like, I mean, you know, of course, you know, some of the women, you know, getting older and not being able to wrestle anymore, that's definitely something that I can understand. But, like, over 25? Like, that's kind of ridiculous. You know, the majority of the women on the roster are over 25 years old, and they seem fine. But, I mean, 25, I feel like it's a little bit too young to, like, you know, just stop there. Like, I don't know if this counts, you know, for just, like, NXT or um, the main roster, but I just think that this is a very odd rumor, you know? And I'm not really a fan of how WWE has been treating their women's roster as of late, and I think you all can agree. Like, you know, people are saying that the reason we talked about last week that the reason that Toxic Attraction is being released is to attract, you know, more male viewers. Like, I don't want you to put somebody on your show because they, you know, they look good or you're trying to attract, like, people with looks. No, I want you to put them on TV because they have been busting their tails and trying to work for their dreams for so long. And, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, really, honestly, if y'all remember when Natalia and Tamina... Those are two that I definitely consider veterans. Um, when they won the Women's Tag Team Championships this year, you remember that like Natalia said that it is never too late to start working for your dream. So I think that WWE should, you know, remember that quote and just remember that, you know, if there are people, you know, that are older than 25, if there are women that are older than 25, not just women, just both men and women, you know, I just feel like if they have something to offer, then you should take it. But of course, this is a rumor, so we don't know if it's true or not. I really hope that this rumor is not true. But anyways, let's move on and talk about a wrestler, the Empress of Tomorrow, Asuka. So for the past couple of years, one of the top names in WWE has been Asuka. She first joined the WWE back in 2015. She signed to NXT. Her first um, feuds were with Dana Brooke and Emma. And, you know, she put, like, victories over the both of them. And she, of course, was a... NXT Women's Champion. Of course, she um, beat Bailey for the title. Um, she had a fantastic reign. Um, she held it for over a year, over 500. She, look, the reign was 510 days long, and she had an undefeated streak for almost roughly 
two and a half years. She had 914 days straight wins. Like, that is insane. And then she moved to SmackDown in 2018. Um, she made her first appearance by saving Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch from an attack by the Iconics and the SmackDown Women's Champion at the time, Carmella. And then Carmella defended her SmackDown Women's Championship at Asuka at Money in the Bank, which Asuka lost because of an interference by James Ellsworth, who was, you know, had an alliance with Carmella. And then they had a rematch at Extreme Rules, which Asuka lost again because of a distraction by James Ellsworth, who was hanging above the ring in a shark cage, which helped Carmella to win. And then we, um, let's see, she was in Survivor Series um, in 2018 on Team SmackDown. She was the last woman that was eliminated from Team SmackDown, so kind of the sole survivor a little bit. But anyways, towards the end of that year, um, she went into the first ever Tables, Ladders, and Chairs match against Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And then that was when she won the SmackDown Women's Championships after Ronda Rousey interfered and pushed um, Becky and Charlotte off a ladder. Everything's okay. Just some pots fell. <laughs> Everything's okay. But anyways, um, um, yeah, everything's all right. Just, we're all right. But anyways, um... On March 26th, um, on SmackDown 2019, Asuka lost the title to Charlotte Flair, which ended her day at 100 days. But, however, Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer reported that she was supposed to defend the championship at WrestleMania 35 against the winner of a fatal four-way match between Carmella, Mandy Rose, Naomi, and Sonya Deville that was last-minute canceled, which I think that would have been a cool match to see. But, anyways... Um, in 2019, Paige announced that she would be managing, um, a new tag team, which consisted of Asuka and Kyrie Sane. They were dubbed as the Kabuki Warriors, and they feuded with the Iconics over the tag team championships. Um, and then they, oh, the, the Iconics, you know, were avoiding all of their challengers, and they, the Kabuki Warriors beat them in a non-title match in Tokyo, which earned them a title match, but they retain, but the Iconics retain after they got themselves counted out. Um, and then they started feuding with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. And then after a little bit of a hi hiatus, um, the Kabuki Warriors beat the women's tag team champions Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross at Hell in a Cell after Asuka used the green mist on Nikki, and then they transitioned into heels. Um, they defeated, you know, Becky and Charlotte in a non-title match, which they, again, Asuka using her green mist, and then they spit, well, Asuka spit some green mist on Paige, which ended their association with her. Um... Then she feuded with Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship, which she was unable to win. They had a match at the Royal Rumble, and then the Kabuki Warriors lost their Women's Tag Team Championships on the first night of WrestleMania 
36 to Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. They had an end, well, they had a reign of 180 days, which is so far the longest reign. Um, we'll just have to wait and see if anyone can beat that reign. And she was in the Money in the Bank con. Well, she, she won the Money in the Bank contract at Money in the Bank last year. And that's when she won the SmackDown, not the SmackDown Women's Championship, the Raw Women's Championship um, from Becky after she announced her pregnancy. And she um, also became the second Women's Grand Slam champion after Bayley. And then she um, basically turned face after that. And she began a feud with Nia Jax. Um, and, you know, she retained her title against her. And then she kind of lost the Raw Women's Championship to Sasha Banks at Extreme Rules 2020 after um, she accidentally sprayed the referee with green mist and Bailey put on the ref shirt and counted the pinfall, which was technically unofficial. And so they had the match, but it was, you know, set up where like, you know, count outs could even change the title and, you know, Bailey attacking Kyrie Sane backstage, um, which would be, you know, Kyrie's final appearance, but Oscar being a loyal friend decided friendship over championship and lost it, but she didn't honestly care. She just wanted, you know, revenge for Kyrie. And so at SummerSlam, if y'all remember, she won back the Raw Women's Championship and then she feuded with Zelina Vega. Um, and, you know, she feuded with Zelina until Zelina was released last year, but again, she was re hired but anyways she feuded with Lana as well um and then you know she kind of started cheering to oh not well oh, oh my goodness why can I not talk she teamed with Lana for a little bit and they were supposed to have a um match for the women's tag team championships at um TLC but then Lana was injured by Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler, and so Charlotte Flair took her place, and she and Asuka won those championships. And then we saw Rhea Ripley faced Asuka at WrestleMania this year, which is where she lost the title. But that was a really great match, and I think that Asuka had a really great reign as the Raw Women's Champion. Um, and then we saw... Um, a match between Rhea Ripley and Asuka and Charlotte Flair at Clash of Champions this year, but Rhea um, won that match, and then she um, was in the Money in the Bank match this year. She did not win, but it appears she was injured in this match because she is injured right now, but hopefully she'll get to come back, and it has been noted by um, both Becky Lynch and Naomi that Asuka is also a mother, which, you know, makes everything she does with having a child as well like that is insane but anyways you know Asuka is definitely one of the best competitors currently in WWE and most likely of all time for sure now let's talk about an upcoming match on NXT 2.0 Toxic Attraction versus Io Shirai, Kaden, Kaden Carter, and Casey Catanzaro So on the next episode of NXT 2.0, we are going to be seeing a match that will be Toxic Attraction versus Io Shirai, Casey Catanzaro, and Kaden Carter. Now I'm very excited for this match because we don't get to see a ton of Casey Catanzaro and Kaden Carter. 
And I just think that they are so underrated, excuse me, and have so much more to give than what they are credited for. And so I'm always excited when they get an opportunity. Um, And I don't know, you know, with Io Shirai, you know, never really liked Zoe Stark. Um, So I wonder if, you know, Io will go back to teaming with Zoe at all. Or if she's just going to focus on staying a singles competitor. I don't know. But, you know, Toxic Attraction are coming off very strong off their wins at Halloween Havoc. They did what they said they do. They now hold all of the gold in the NXT women's division. And they are feeling on top of the world. They're very pleased with themselves. So I know that they, you know, can get definitely in their heads or a little over their heads, shall I say, for this match. And I am pretty excited to see this match. Now, let's talk about our predictions for this match. So for our predictions for Toxic Attraction versus Io Shirai, Caden Carter, and Casey Zero on NXT 2.0. I, again, am very excited for this match. I'm especially excited to see Caden and Casey hopefully get some momentum in this match. But for my prediction on the winner of this match, I think that Toxic Attraction is most likely going to win this match because, you know, they just won all the gold in the NXT women's division and, you know, they feel on top of the world so proud of themselves and I just feel like, you know, with everything, the way everything's going right now, I feel like they have a pretty darn good chance of winning this match, but I think that Io, Caden, and Casey will make a great team. Of course, you know, Caden and Casey tag together all the time, and, you know, Io Shirai being Io Shirai, I mean, I think that that would make one heck of a team, um, you know, and I feel like all six of these ladies, when they're in the ring together, I feel like they could most likely bring the best out of each other and put on a great match. But for the winner of this match, I'm going to have to say I think Toxic Attraction is going to win this tag team match. All right, that'll do it for this episode of What's Up WWE Universe. Again, make sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Tell everyone you know so that we can keep our audience growing and spreading. And if you haven't, Already, make sure you go check out our Facebook page at What's Up WWE Universe Pod and see my final Halloween dress-ups. And also, if you're listening to this on Spotify, let me know which dress-up I did in the month of October was your favorite. All right, I'm Chloe, and I'll see you guys next time. Bye!